Welcome to As Luck Would Have It. My name is Abby and I'm the admin and comms worker here at Leichhardt Uniting. We are a church based on Gadigal land here in Sydney, Australia. You'll find us at Leichhardt Uniting Church LUC on Facebook. Sermons are on YouTube under the same name. And you can find more information about our church and our team at leichhardtuniting.org.au. In this episode of As Luck Would Have It, Reverend Adrian Sukumar-White is preaching on Give Us Today, Our Daily Bread. This is part three of a six-part series on the Lord's Prayer. Please enjoy the following sermon. Week three of our series on the Lord's Prayer brings us to the petition, Give Us Today, Our Daily Bread. I'm sure you all already have questions rolling around in your mind with perhaps the most prominent being, what on earth does that brutal passage from James have to do with what we heard about bread? Particularly after the wonderfully sweet story from uh, Sarah, uh, quite a, a change in, uh, in demeanour, I think, for, for our members. So hopefully you can come along with this, but we'll get to there, we'll get there. Last week we explored the lines, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this section introduced us to a feature of Hebrew poetry where the second line repeats, expands or develops the theme of the first line. We are again reminded of the political nature of the Lord's Prayer where a petition for God's kingdom comes as a line in the sand against the human kingdoms of Herod and Caesar but also those kingdoms we create for ourselves. And we grappled with the kingdom paradox that we understand the kingdom of God to be both here and now and not yet. And we also explored the idea that prayer should be an active experience, that our prayers should change us. Now definitely hold on to that last one because it's integral to today's sermon as well. Give us today our daily bread. I don't know about you, but this is not a line that I easily connect with, or at least my connection wavers. And the simple reason for this is that I don't generally connect God to the provision of my food. No doubt this comes from my own privilege. I grew up comfortably middle class and there was never a question of where the next meal was coming from. Food was always there when I needed it. But we know that that's not everyone's experience and it might not be your experience. In 2020, the Australian Council of Social Service, partnering with UNSW, released a report on poverty in Australia and found that 3.24 million people, or 13.6% of the population, were living in poverty in this country. This is a real life and death issue for this country, a country that is one of the wealthiest in the world. So when it comes to the Lord's Prayer then, one of the biggest mistakes we could make is to assume that the line, give us today our daily bread, is only a prayer for some. It's just for the poor. It's for the needy. We don't need a prayer like this for ourselves because we are fine. I do think it is often how prayer works for us, though. God becomes something like eternal tech support. We're quick to call in when something breaks or isn't working as it should, but for the rest of the time, we're good. We can do it all ourselves. Because when things are working fine, 
Who needs God? And for those of us who do experience this, the Lord's Prayer becomes more important because it hits us where it hurts the most, right in the ego. Because there is not one of us in this room who can claim to be holy and fully responsible for their own bread. For most of us, all we did was pay money at the shop. For the more culinary talented among us, you may have uh, formed and cooked the bread from your own ingredients, which is awesome, by the way, but it's pretty unlikely that you could claim responsibility for sourcing each of those ingredients. The theologian William Willimon reminds us that no bread comes to our table without the work, the sacrifice, and the gifts of strangers who we do not know and we cannot thank. But we don't usually want to think about that because if we do, we must also acknowledge that we are not ultimately in control. It's a humbling realisation in a reality where we don't like to be humble. But with humility can come liberation. Willimon also says that the act of asking for bread is for us a daily reminder that our lives like our bread, are a gift from God. The act of asking for bread is for us a daily reminder that our lives, like our bread, are gifts from God. We ask for daily bread because we are grateful for life, for the opportunity to live, to experience the full breadth of what it means to be human. But the shortcomings of our humanity become quickly visible when we look a little bit more closely at the word daily. For some, this could be misleading, which is to, which, when it's understood as give us bread every day. Perhaps a more accurate translation of daily might be sufficient or enough. Give us enough bread just for today. And here we see a clear connection to the story of manna from heaven in Exodus 16 where the Israelites are walking in the desert and they're starving and some are wishing that they were back in Egypt under slavery because it had gotten so bad. And God tells Moses that it's going to rain manna or bread from heaven and the people should gather enough for that day. But what did the people go and do? They gathered more. They gathered more than they needed and then they stored it. But what they stored bred worms and became toxic. The moral being, give us enough bread for today. Overconsumption is a very real problem. And the many examples of consumer excess, particularly from the uber wealthy, sometimes make it easy for us to miss our own culpability. I only need to think back to the early days of the pandemic and the panic-buying escapades. Now, I definitely wasn't a toilet paper hoarder or anything, but I do distinctly remember times at the supermarket where I would wonder about buying an extra packet of some sort of essentials just in case. When I reflected on it at the time, I put it down to kind of just being swept up in the communal hysteria, just a little bit. But... As I've reflected on it further, I realise something. 
because those panic buying times did in fact impact me, but not in the way I might have thought. Because whilst I ummed and ahed about that second packet in those moments, I wouldn't have thought twice about grabbing them in normal circumstances. Basil of Caesarea, one of the early church fathers, wrote this. The bread that is spoiling in your house belongs to the hungry. The shoes that are mildewing under your bed belong to those who have none. The clothes stored away in your trunk belong to those who are naked. The money that depreciates in your treasury belongs to the poor. These are pretty harsh words, made harsher by how truthful they might ring in our ears. But think about this. Those words were written some 1,700 years ago. This is not a new problem. In fact, these issues have been pretty much present from the beginning of the Christian church. In the book of Acts chapter 2, we hear what is often described as the first Christian community. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe as the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I think there's usually two simultaneous responses to this story. Number one, that is amazing. Number two, no thanks. Because it feels a little too good to be true, doesn't it? A little bit like a fairy tale. And I think it's because this part of the story overlooks how hard this actually is, particularly when money is involved. And that's where our reading from James comes in, because the epistle from J- of James is often attributed to James, the brother of Jesus, who would later become the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And the epistle itself is generally understood to be written to Jewish Christians who were dispersed outside of Jerusalem, outside of Israel. And that's really important to know because when we come to these harsh words, this devastating critique of the wealthy, we need to recognise that it's not written for someone disconnected to us. It's not written for people outside the community, it's written for those on the inside. It's a rebuke of the wealth and corruption of those who would also be known as members of the body of Christ. The struggle of overconsumption, the struggle of wealth is real and it's been a struggle from the beginning. And for some in the church, the way of dealing with it is to flat out ignore it or pervert it by turning wealth and prosperity into a sign of blessing. But if we take the Lord's Prayer seriously, we can't ignore it because the struggle comes from our lips each and every time we say the prayer. Give us today our daily bread. In week one, we talked a bit about the importance of the word our in the Lord's Prayer and how it stops us from being just a prayer, a prayer just for me and for you or for some of us, but it's a prayer for everyone. 
Well, it's in this line that those implications really begin to take effect because to pray to give us today our daily bread seriously means we have to look beyond just my needs or your needs or our little community's needs, but also to the needs of others. Because what we're doing is we're praying for a world where all are fed. And if we pray for that, we also need to work for that. And of course, that will take a lot of work. We need to ensure that our soup kitchens and community pantries are stocked and staffed. And we need to work towards a world where food inequality, financial inequality, housing inequality are all dramatically reduced. This is kingdom work. But we do want to be careful that we don't become so outwardly focused that we forget to look inward as well, to consider about how our own practices impact this vision for an end to inequality in our world. And sometimes it's the stuff of self that is the hardest to navigate, and that's why we need to be intentional about it. It's also another reason why the communal nature of the Lord's Prayer is really important, Give us today our daily bread. Because it reminds us that we are not alone in this struggle. This prayer and the work that flows out from it is not just the responsibility of you or of me, but something that we do together. One of the less talked about benefits of being in community is accountability. And I recognise that accountability has often been used poorly in the church, sometimes leading to burnout or even abuse. But when it's done well, when it's done right, it's a means of deeper connection and growth. We want to get to a place where we can say to one another, I love you, and not only do I want the best for you, I also want the best from you. And we need that accountability for each other. Because once again, the pools of systems and empires of the world is strong. We are constantly pulled into the empire of capitalism, which tells us that inequality is actually a good thing. And so the best thing we can do then is to compete with one another whether it's about having the best or most food or the most money or the biggest house or the most extravagant holidays. We value one another with a material metric that ultimately turns everything and everyone into dollars. And so as a community, we need to find a new narrative, a different narrative, and we need to find it and hold it and make ourselves accountable to it and to one another so that we can truly understand that our worth has nothing to do with money, but the simple reality that we, that each of us, are beloved children of God. And so when we pray this prayer, we not only need to hold on to the very real physical nature of asking for bread, we also need to connect with something more. Let's call it spiritual bread, spiritual nourishment. And I say this very cautiously because the church has a long history of over-spiritualization to the point 
that the real material needs of people are ignored or forgotten. But at the same time, there is more to life than just our physicality. I think this is what's being explored in John chapter 6 when Jesus said to the disciples, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, whilst it might seem on the surface that Jesus himself is dismissing the material needs of people, note where this story comes. It comes straight after the feeding of the 5,000 where those physical needs were met. So this is not an either-or situation between the physical and the spiritual. It's a both-and situation. And with the people being bodily fed, Jesus points to another form of hunger, a spiritual hunger. And I think this spiritual hunger is real and we all experience it in different ways in different times. And it's where there's just this emptiness in ourselves. And because we feel empty, we try to fill it with material things. And so I wonder if our problem with overconsumption is really a symptom of us trying to deal with our experience of spiritual emptiness, of spiritual hunger. And unfortunately, there's no amount of cake or wine or clothes or jewellery or toys that will ever fill that. So when Jesus offers himself as the bread of life, it's not just some trite platitude. It is an offering of a way of life. Because if we follow Jesus, if we learn and live by his example, we will find our spirits nourished because we are no longer living for ourselves, but also for God and also for our neighbour. We are setting aside our selfish selves and stepping into community where we work together for the common good. Friends, the kingdom of God is where no one is hungry, physically or spiritually. So as we pray this prayer, the invitation is there for us to live and work for a world where all are fed. Give us today our daily bread. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of As Luck Would Have It. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe and you can also visit our website and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Signing off. Have a great day.